Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. Christopher Media, let's make some noise. Welcome to Beer Nuts, a weekly excursion into the world of craft beer. Brought to you by MichiganBeerGuide.com. And now, here are the Beer Nuts. Number 10. My name is Chris. With us, me as always, JR from MichiganBeerGuide.com. Hey, I'm thirsty. Uncle Pete. Let's do it. Dugout. Got my drinking shoes on. All right. I also have a drinking hat. Well, I used to have one. Not so much. Okay, so this episode, what are we doing, JR? We're doing old ales, one of my favorite categories. I'm really stoked for this. But, uh, you know, I just want to reiterate to our listeners that we're just a bunch of regular guys drinking some good beers. We want you to just to hang out with us and crack something open. Hopefully you have an old ale. If you don't, just get something you like and crack it open. Spend the next hour with us. And uh, it's just like we're just a bunch of guys sitting around having some good beers. So let's crack our first beer. Now, old ales. Now, this isn't like, you know, stuff you've had sitting around in the basement, right? I'm sure this is a style. It's a style, and we'll get into that a bit. But first, we always start off the show with a beer quote of the week. And uh, we also uh, usually have a nice music selection for us that matches into that feeds into that. Oh, this is a good one. I'm just going to let the music play for a little bit if you guys don't mind. No problem. I take my first sip. Dave Matthews Band. This drummer does not get enough credit. Carter Beaufort. Well, you know, I just had this first sip of this beer. This is awesome. It's going to be a great show, guys. And you're going to like my beer quote of the week. And I'm going to wait for the chorus for it. It's right in. Too much. Well, our beer quote of the week is along those lines. And here it goes. There are more old drunks than old doctors. <laughs> Gotta love that. It's an anonymous quote, and I'm going to attribute it to just an old drunk. <laughs> because there surely are more old drunks than old doctors. So that's a deep thought. Think about that. What if you're an old drunk doctor? Oh, see? There's probably a few of them, too. <laughs> but I hope they weren't young and drunk when they were doctors. So, without further ado, we're going to roll into one of my favorite beer styles, Old Ales. And the first beer we're going to taste is a beer dear to my heart that Dugout and I both sold. You're probably tired of hearing our old war stories with Scottish and Newcastle, but hey, that's our roots. I'm sure we'll continue to tell those stories. But Peaks and Old Peculiar is the, the brand... It was the label that I sold the least of that I loved the most. If I could have had a case... But anything I sold when I worked for Scottish and Newcastle would hands down been based in Old Peculiar. But that being said, when I look at my depletion reports, I would sell about, oh boy, about 15, 20,000 cases a month in Newcastle. Actually, about 50,000 during peak months of Newcastle Brown Ale and 24 cases a month. Twenty-four cases a month in all of Las Vegas. I don't know about you, Doug, but this is a, a damn good beer. To, but it just never caught on. People didn't know about it. It's a fantastic uh, old ale. It's actually 
Old Peculiar, and it's spelled E-E-C-U-L-I-E-R. So it's even spelled weird. It's just a weird beer, but it's a great weird and I love it. So it was the best beer in our portfolio, but the lowest selling brand. It's always received well whenever I did a tasting of our portfolio. It was always, everybody loved it, but nobody bought it. So it kind of disappeared, and it is now available again in the United States, but it's, it's still very fine. So I'm going to review this beer. Doug, out before I go on, any comments from your time at SNN regarding this brand? Well, first comment I have that comes to my mind is when I saw that bottle, I was like, oh, hello, old friend. <laughs> no, I believe we moved a few more cases of it in Chicago, but typically my uh, sample budget in in, the, in those days was uh, pretty much limitless, but my sample budget accounted for about maybe a fourth of the sales of this particular <laughs> brand in Chicago, and I didn't drink it all, I mean, but I tried to. <laughs> you know what I have I have to confess I got I kind of got in trouble for you know why are you pulling all these old peculiar samples we don't sell any of that stuff oh you know I'm trying to build the brand trying to get the brand <laughs> moving nobody knows what brand. it is they can't my, order it so you got to get it in their hands it's, it really is an awesome beer and uh, you know I would give like beer tasting nights at, at bars <laughs> in Las Vegas and when, when everybody would taste all the different beers they would agree with me it's the best beer I don't know how it never caught on and why it doesn't sell but it's fantastic so i'm going to review this the appearance it's a, a murky it's definitely murky it's not an okay beer yeah well a little murky but it's got it's definitely a more brown than red dark brown the smell smells a lot of malt sweet malt toffee but a stronger darker malt profile than a brown ale would be taste my god it's just it's just really good. It's got some sweetness. It's got some toffee. It's got that dark fruit coming on. You know, the the figs, the the, the plums. The we'll find out there when we and not not too far from now. Really soon, Pete covers the old ale uh, style guidelines. That really, what the reason it's called old ale is the characteristics of the flavor of old ales are from aging, and that's what we're getting at. Is these beers are aged. This particular bottle I got, there was a local store right by the store for the show that found out that the distributor carries this was going to discontinue slow sale. Big surprise, I already explained. Great beer, slow sales. But uh, luckily, the manager bought it five cases before it was removed from the market, and I bought a case. And uh, that was about a year ago. So this has been aged an additional year. And I'm sure it's aged before it's even turned over so the mouthfeel, light, I'd say low to medium carbonation. Medium, it's not real thick, but it's not thin at all. It's probably medium to full body. It's a, it's a wonderful beer. It's complex, I mean, and that's from the aging. You get the, I love the dark fruits. So overall, uh, it's just a real treat. I'm really happy tasting. I'm really happy that I was able to get a case of this before it disappeared from the Michigan market. I know it's still available nationally, but hard to find, and uh, it's, it's just it's kind of sad when I taste this, knowing that how good of a beer it is, and it just never sold in the United States. So, uh, that being said, let's uh on to Doug and get his comments on the beer. Well, you know, I agree with, with your whole synopsis of the, of, of the beer itself, John. So, rather than go and review 
what you just reviewed. I'm just going to add a little bit of, of, of tasting notes on this. In addition to the, the kind of the dry fruit, I definitely sense uh, a taste of uh, oak. And um, I don't know if it's true or not. I had always heard through the grapevine that there was some oak aging on this beer and that it was the last of the styles uh, or the brands of old ale that were still actually aged in the same wood casks or not necessarily casks, but they're probably huge vats. Other thing here is that boy this just reminds me of camping of fall of like sitting around a campfire if i were going to go camping this is definitely the beer i would take with me okay well you guys get tired of me reading labels but in the the most smallest print that i've ever seen on a bottle and i've got my reading list on it says old peculiar one of the great ales of the world rich dark smooth and mellow tasting with a character all of its own. Brewed using the traditional foggle hops, Old Peculiar is our best known ale. Sorry, it's very small. and has a large enthusiastic following around the globe. Well, I wish that was true in this part of the world because I love it. Well, I'm enthusiastic about it, that's for sure. Peculiar Ale. Beekston's most famous ale takes its name, Seal Peculiar Port of Mazda, which was granted back in the 12th century. It was the custom of their time for the church to administer the law, and this proved to our dishes a task. For their archbishop, who was based in York, so we do archiepiscopal Juan, he set up the independent peculiar court headed up by the peculiar of Machan. So that's kind of cryptic. You're right. It is a peculiar I tale. I what that means. But it has no point. I guess what it says is there's a story behind it, and it's a peculiar story, and it's a peculiar <laughs> beer. But at the end of the day, listeners, if you find this beer in the store, you'd be really uh, blowing it by not picking a six-pack up. It comes in a six-pack, too, and it's not even that expensive. It's a, it's a it's an excellent beer that flies below the radar. I guess it's just kind of one of those things that's just too peculiar for people to, to latch on to. But that's just fine with me because I know what it is and I love it. It is a murkier brown than uh, the browns we've been having. I get aromas of, of dark fruits on the nose and some alcohol. It has a much more present mouthfeel, you know, a heavier mouthfeel than the browns we were having. And I think that comes from, you know, there's a sweetness in there that comes from all the unfermentable sugars that, that come with old ales. You know, it just adds to the gravity. It adds to the fullness and the depth of flavors that you're going to get. I just remember doing uh, the tastings when I taste my whole portfolio and every single person in the room would agree that it's the best beer they had all night, but no one ever went out and bought it. So yeah, maybe maybe a bit of a marketing faux pas where they didn't put any money behind the brand, but it's kind of like the horse before the cart. If it sells, then you know, and then they got money to spend on it and it didn't sell, so they didn't market it. And, but you know what? It's a hidden gem that now I can share with you listeners and uh, you all know the secret. So Old well, peculiar. peculiar. You won't be disappointed. Whenever you see it, purchase it. That's what we're saying. Absolutely. Chris, uh, yeah, what's your thoughts? This is a very drinkable. It, it's, well, it's kind of akin to uh, situations we talked about on the last episode. This beer does not taste like the color and the aroma would lead you to believe. This is a very drinkable beer. It is The thing that struck me about this was how easy it went down. It, it, has, it has all the markings of not going down easy, and this beer goes down really easy, but but not in like a, a Coors Light Budweiser type of easy. It, it's, this beer just, I don't know, it, it's a really it's clean finish. Is that a thing? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? If I was a marketing guy for this beer, I would market it with the clockwork orange. <laughs> 
It's yes. peculiar, just like that movie. Well, that movie's Sadly, peculiar no with one an marketed a. it in any way, and that's why it never sold in our country. So that being said, I think we've covered Gold Peculiar and uh, hyped it up as much as we can. I really love it. I'm bummed that it doesn't sell better, but that's okay. Really, the reason I'm bummed is because it's hard to get. But that being said, I still got some in my cellar. So we're going to move on to our next selection. Uncle Pete is going to uh, cover Bell's Third Coast Old Ale, another great uh, selection, and then he's going to go over the Old Ale style guidelines for us. So, Uncle Pete, turn it over to you. Sounds good. Well, you can't complain about Bell's Brewery and some of the beers that they put out. And this Third Coast Old Ale, I always like looking at the labels. Now, from what I've learned is they actually bottle this and the labels that they put on it, they have a set of 24 different labels on the front that map all 3,288 miles of the Michigan coastline that touch four of the five Great Lakes. So if you have been able to see all 24 of these labels, you'll have seen a good stretch of the Michigan uh, Great Lakes coastline on the state of Michigan. Interesting. There's a little trivia factoid for everybody. That's fascinating. Man. I did not <laughs> I'd like to that. add, before Pete continues, that this uh, has been in my cellar for over a year. The, the bottle date was September 5th of 2014. I'm looking at it right now. So, uh, again, one of the characteristics of Old Ale, uh, it's named that because of the aging, and this bottle has been aged. It's not something I bought in the store like the rest of our beers. So it's, uh, it's been aged here, and that's, uh, let's taste it, Pete. Well, this is a big beer, right? It's going to be 10.2% alcohol by volume. Uh, let's take a pour, pass it around. There you go, JR. Thank you, Uncle We'll take a look at it, and again... Uh, it's somewhat murky brown with a off-white tan-colored head. Looks very nice, though. Very warming. And uh, the first uh, smell. Oh, that's very nice. I get a lot of caramel. Mmm, so good. So good. Dried fruits I get in there. I get uh, figs, pruned kind of smells. Take a taste, and it's very strong. Very strong, very sweet. A uh, lot of fruitiness in there. Of the dark fruit variety. Wow, there's just a, it's a very complex beer. This is a deep, rich beer. It's got a lot of character. Very sweet, very fruity. A uh, little bit of an alcohol bite. Leaves a little dryness at the end, but there's so much. I'm going to need more time to really take this one in and comment further. So I'll let you guys give your first impressions. Go ahead, Jr. Well, uh, man, it's it's strong, it's sweet, it's fruity, it's delicious. I think I, w I wish I had bought uh, a current year bottle because I think the aging has really helped this. It's, uh, the complexity is through the roof on this. I mean, yeah, I'm tasting like five different malts. Yeah. I mean. Definitely, uh, I, I'm tasting like a like an apricot flavor, which is surprising. Usually, you get more of a you know a dark plum. This has like a little apricot. Little, it's it's a lot going on, and uh, it's it's strong. It's definitely something to curl up by the fire, and you know you can sip one of these for probably a full hour. This is not a quaffing beer; it's over ten percent. It's a Michigan treasure, man, and uh, I love the the history you said of the, the label with the reason it's called the Third Coast because of all the coastline miles. I never knew that about it. That's a great bit of trivia. But at the end of the day, the liquid is what it's all about, and, and it's a home run. How about you, Doug? What do you think? Well, the first sip 
that I take off this beer just says dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> it's Agreed. got that warmth to it that says uh, this beer's got a little extra kick to it. Danger Will Robinson. Yeah, it's it's it, it's it's not unpleasant. Um, I've had beers where you just get that first sip and it's sort of an ethanol sort of alcohol wisp and it goes away as you drink the beer. This does not have that. And I, I have to agree with you, John. I mean, to maybe if we pulled up this year's version because this has been sitting in a proper cellar for a year that uh that may occur on a, on something a little younger but the fact that this has been in the cellar for a year has certainly uh done wonders for it it's complex it's yeah all that fruit is there and then at the end you get this just kind of a dry almost not quite a pucker to it but it finishes fast um, with almost sort of a a bourbon type of uh, sweetness at the end uncle pete and i were just whispering to each other i know an account in southern michigan near our house that has some 14 so uh any of our listeners in the southeast michigan market feel free to send me a uh, direct message on twitter at, at michigan beer guy and i will tell you where you can get some 2014 <laughs> and you could win, win a beer glass too yeah yes click win this glass michiganbeerguy.com click win this glass great glass and uh and we'll tell you where to get the good stuff, man, because this well, is a fantastic beer. It's get. complex. I mean, it's it's very... I, I need more time with this. I could spend a whole evening with this one and start picking it apart. But Am it's I off earthy, the mark here? It's deep. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Thinking that my initial reaction is this reminds me of that uh, Bourbon County as far as how it tastes to me. Uh, am I off the mark here? Should it not be reminding me of Bourbon County? Well, it's alcoholic. Oh, well, yeah. It's well, sure. and, it's, and it's definitely got that uh, heavy mouthfeel well, to it. As far it. as the taste goes. But, like, the mouthfeel is there. It's just, it's very chewy. You know there's a lot of malt in there. Is anyone else getting apricots? Because I'm really getting apricots out of this. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. I'm getting more burnt, earthy forest floor burnt stuff. sugar burnt sugar in here for sure like a burnt brown sugar yeah but i keep thinking of those dried apricots that you get at the health food store well as a fan of magic hat number nine i see where you're coming from jr all like, right i can yep. taste it a, a tiny number bit nine. number nine yes number nine. <laughs> i would say this is a much more sophisticated version you know um Magic Hat number nine is mass produced. I yes. think it suffers because of that. But at one time it was, but I don't think it's on on this level. But I get where you, yeah. It's kind of like this is like that's that would be uh, Magic Hat would be like the maybe lighter or less sophisticated version. Of it. Like I, I get so the, fair, I'm, I'm, I'm sensing comparison. the apricot tones. Yep, I I, I definitely taste number some apricot nine. in this. But, nine. Yeah. There's no right or wrong. It's whatever you taste. Nine. I and I, I really love it, but. Number nine. It's also, yeah, it's something that you're not going to sit down and knock back too many of these. It's probably one and done in front of the fire, curling up with, with a good book. It's a marathon, not a sprinter. Or a good football game for me. Wow, way to start off large. Wow. This is yeah, yeah, it's a home run. So, Pete, you still have the honors of describing sure. old ale style guidelines. And- sure, let's hit a couple highlights. So, uh, definitely the aromas on these are usually malty sweet with fruity esters and as we all mentioned, it's very complex. You pick up the dried fruits and the caramel. Uh, sometimes you get molasses, nuts, toffee. But the hop aroma is definitely there. You know, when you go for extended aging, uh, the hop aroma, aroma tends to dissipate. So, John, if you age this a little longer, maybe it'll, it'll settle down a little bit. Uh, usually light amber to very dark reddish brown. This one I found to be, you know, kind of a medium reddish. 
A little bit murky, not too much. But the flavor, definitely medium to high malt character with a luscious malt complexity. I like that word, luscious. And uh, sometimes nutty, caramely, kind of molasses-like. A little bit of light chocolate, roasted malt. But the balance is malty-sweet, could be well-hopped. Uh, this one I find very drying on the end, so I don't know if that's an effect of the of the hops. I don't know what the AB, or not the ABV, but the uh, IBUs. I don't know if anybody knows that one, but while I'm talking, you might look it up. Something bitterness units? Yeah. International bittering units. I won't say international, but the I seem too, international seemed too easy. And then it could be uh, very strong in the alcohol department. It should be evident, but not overwhelming. So I think that's evident here. Medium to full, chewy body. Uh, Older examples, maybe lower in body due to uh, conditioning as as it ages, Uh, but definitely a warmth from the alcohol. And uh, if it's a cold winter night, that's usually very welcome. I like that. Uh, Low to moderate carbonation, as this one, I know the head dissipated very quickly. And so a little bit of history. Historically, this is an aged ale used as stock ales for blending or enjoyed at full strength. Uh, Stock ale refers to beers that were aged or stored for a significant period of time. There's two different definite types in Britain today. uh, Weaker draft ones that are similar around 4.5% strength and stronger ones in the 6 to 8% or more. And definitely this one is more at, what what we say, 10 point, 10.2? yeah. So uh, definitely in the ingredients, uh, it can vary, although very generally similar to British strong ales. The age character is the biggest driver. Could be aged in wood, but should not have a strong wood character. Uh, does, to me, attempt to approach the barley wood style. You know, at this strength and this maltiness, uh, with that complexity, and I know I had my uh, Honey Can't Buy Me Love barley wine in here a few weeks ago. Uh, definitely, there was a lot of uh, malty sweetness, uh, very strong component at 11%. So this is, to me, approaching a barley wine, this particular uh, Third Coast Old Ale from Bell's. Anybody else want to add to it? Well, I'd like to add, it says at the at the end of the guidelines, it says the distinction between an old ale and a barley wine is somewhat arbitrary above 7% ABV and generally means having a more significant age quality, particularly from the wood. So again, it's it's... An old ale is an old ale because of the aging. That's what gives it its quality. The other thing I'd like to mention that relates to the beer that we're tasting now is it says the finish may vary from dry to somewhat sweet. Extended aging may contribute flavors similar to a fine old sherry port of Madeira. Alcoholic strength may be, should be evident, though not overwhelming. This beer, uh, when I was saying apricots, sherry is like hitting the nail on the head. There you go. It's like a sherry, and uh, that's what it reminds me of. And uh, that extra ear of aging probably helped that flavor come through. You know, we're drinking this a little cold right now, and I could really appreciate it if it warmed up a little bit. Well, happy to say that we're not. <laughs> we, are, now, we are pretty close to cellar temp on this one. But I really can tell you, I haven't tasted flavors like this really since the, the bear age beer show like this is is it good oh yeah this these are beers that you get the barrel age flavors from with no bourbon it's it's like you get that aging quality without the help of the bourbon or or any spirits Mm -hmm. so you know those beers were in spirits barrels so obviously the spirit that's in that wood gets into the beer and affects the flavor this is like the natural without the spirit well, so, and also you have that that high gravity, and those, and that's very much in common with uh, those barrel aged beers as well. So this is something you could bourbon barrel age. It probably boy, take <laughs> take it off yeah, the charts, and I, yeah, I, I have, have, had, have done at, at the brew. I think we've had that at bourbon barrel age. I thought we had it at the Bills. Yeah, uh, but on its own, 
And and this is sort of rare because, uh, well, not necessarily so rare, but okay. So we've talked a lot about Bourbon County, for example, on the show. Does anybody, has anybody had that Russian Imperial Stout that goes into that? Like just on its own before. That's a great point. You know, the base stout for Bourbon County. I mean, I have because I know when when I worked there back in the '90s, you know, that was a beer, and that that was on tap, and it was like one of those destroyer beers. You know, it's like sitting there at eleven point two percent. But ever since the Bourbon County came, that beer just sort of walked off the face of the earth. It'd be interesting to see if would they put There's that out like that again. There for sure. What you're saying is, you want to taste the beer where Bourbon County came from? Exactly. Somebody Somebody went, let's age this in bourbon barrels and make a better beer. Well, better better taste. No, no, no. Everything sounds derogatory, what I'm about to say. Let's like let's make a down. beer that everybody will, like, instead of, like, spend holidays with their families, just go wait in line and camp out in front of a brewery, <laughs> right? <laughs> People do that? <laughs> All right. Well, any other final comments before we move to our next beer? Because I'm going to ask Doug to walk Chris through the review process. This time, Chris, I want you to take your time and each of the categories uh, describe to us what you're, you're tasting. And we're going to go to Founders Curmudgeon Old Ale. And Doug, you can talk about the beer and then walk Chris through the review you process. You know, this is a beer I have seen and I've, and I've kind of avoided because I was not aware of what it was. Well, the label says old ale brewed with molasses and oak aged. And I've had it many times. And I won't jade uh, my opinion of it. I'd rather you have... You have the floor, uh, Doug and Chris. Take it away. All right. Um, yeah, old curmudgeon. It's, it's a 9.8%, 50 IBUs, which I don't know. I think that That's sounds surprising. a little high for an old ale, but uh, when you've got a lot going on in a glass, those um, those hops can actually balance out with them all. Now, apples to oranges to apples from what we're trying here because we're just going like bouncing theakston's old peculiar and then bell's third coast and now to old curmudgeon i mean it's it's very distinct it's not at all like those other two that we had nothing's been you know this is our third beer Mm. and nothing's been even close to each other like all right we're in this style category you'd think you know we're looking for nuances this this is just, you know, nuances are just crazy different on this stuff. I get a, get a, first of all, the appearance. The now, color, I mean, I can see my hand. I can see very, the bottom of the glass. Yeah, very light. I mean, the uh, Theakston's black as tar. Uh, Third Coast, just kind of uh, pretty, pretty dark, you know. Mm-hmm. But this stuff lightens up. We're almost looking like a, I don't know, through the computer monitor light that we have in here. That's sort of a, a little bit more of an amber color mm. to it. See-through red. Yeah, so. It's got that sweeter smell you gentlemen have been talking smell, about. It's got that sweet smell, you know, that brown sugar, that molasses sort of smell to it. And then uh, give it a good taste in the in the mouth. It's very unique. I'm getting sort of a burnt sugar in it. Maybe some, a little bit of dark fruit, not as much as that last one. On the mouthfeel of it, it's definitely thinner yeah. than the third beer. coast is. Because that's that's like a huge, chewy beer. Carbonation is just... Seems not carbonated. No, and it shouldn't be. I mean, this you, you should be going off, you know, just enough carbonation to make it beer. It shouldn't be fizzy. shouldn't have a lot of head on a beer But like I think this I'm kind of is. on what JR, I think, in a previous episode hit on with it. it, it to me, it, it seems to have kind of a bitter aftertaste. 
Yes. Out of all the ones we've had here, this is this beer, I think, is the one that has the most oak pronouncement in it. You really get that kind of oak bite. So does oak equal bitter? Oak usually can e- equal bitter when in association with a beer that's sort of hopped, and this is a higher hop beer mm-hmm. uh, for this style. It's 50 IBUs. So when you start talking those hops with the oak, you know, you get a very pronounced but very distinct flavor at the end of this beer. The Third Coast had a very dry finish, in my opinion just cut right off this one sort of lingers on it's a little sweeter at the end like i'm not a a huge fan of that but i can tell you the difference between this and what was it the the moose drool yes from the previous episode the moose drool i would give the bottle away this one like i would finish it but i wouldn't order another one and I've noticed I've seemed to be a fan of the Founders beers, but yeah, this one eh, doesn't. Like, like I said, I think it's more. I think the defining factor for me, at least on this one, is the aftertaste. Like, yeah. I like the smell. And as far as bottle share, I would probably like with this one in particular. I would say to somebody, no, I don't think you'd really like that. But I do think you'd like this Moose Drool. <laughs> <laughs> Let me hold that for you. <laughs> Selfish motives. (laughs) Yeah, you would hate this. Yeah, this is awful. I'm going to keep this. Yeah, that's that's bad, isn't it? I don't know. Well, Chris, Chris, you were talking about the finish of this. I think one of the things that I'm tasting in this is the tannins from the wood, from the oak. I'm tasting tannins, I mean, almost like a wine when you get that uh, oak tannins. And tannins is viewed as negatively, I think. It's a negative connotation. But because when you brew, you want to avoid tannins, you want to make sure your, your work. Doesn't reach certain certain temperatures that allow tannins in, but these tannins are from oak. Yeah, you're exactly right, John. Offensive. These, uh, you know, it's it's definitely a negative to have tannins from your grain, but not from the wood. I mean, absolutely not. No, I taste the wood in this beer, and that's what I do. I think that that's what Chris probably doesn't care for is that really woody, oaky tannin component of this but it's very complex um, and there's a lot to like in it yeah this whole style that we're going through this evening or on this episode there's a lot of complexity here and it's taken me a a lot of processing power you know i'm I'm working through it and to me these old ales let's age them right let's let them sit on the shelf for a couple years and really see what happens because they're strong they're boozy they're full-bodied they're complex they're malty they're brown this is to me I get the light color on the curmudgeon compared to the others, but I do get the brown sugar and I get the oak barrel. But I got to put this one away and let it sit for a year or two and let's see what happens. And the, the, the other thing about this style is some of the styles, like your German styles, everything, you know, it's like spot on. It's got to be like it's nailed in, laser focused. This is a broad style, man. This is like one of those catch alls, like the kind of random anything that falls into oak, okay, you know, old. Something that it takes their predominant uh, flavor profile from aging that comes in a whale. Uh, it's that's why we're we're tasting like we're tasting beers that are completely different from. Whereas if you're tasting like an Oktoberfest or a Martin, they're going to be very close, you know, close in flavor because you know, they're true to style. So some styles are like targeted towards a certain exact flavor. Whereas this style is all over the board. Remember uh, one of the lost episodes that you picked here later on? It's uh, Red Ales. And they were all over the board, too. It's kind of like a random. Well, anything that doesn't fall into this category, we'll just call it a red or a half Well, that's what the old ales are. The old ales are all over the place. 
And uh, yeah, we still got a couple more to go, and I'll bet you they're going to be way different for you soon. That's what's fun about the discovery. That's why we want you to listen to our podcast and learn more about these beers, and we hope you'll run out and try them all. Because you know, I, I can't believe how much I've learned by doing these shows. Oh, it's I've learned a be ton. To like I'm off yellow fizzy beer. Like it's. Well, I'd hope so. That, that has been <laughs> off the menu for quite some time. Wow, you're not looking forward to the Pilsner episode? <laughs> <laughs> or the American Adjunct Lager episode? No. Because at some point we're going to run out. Accidentally, <laughs> on purpose, got erased? I'll be on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's going to be hard to pick a winner tonight. I'll tell you that. These are all just fantastic. I'm with you. I'm with you. It's going to be tough. We got our work cut out. Well, yeah, well, we do, because we still got to get through a few more beers here. Yeah. And these things are... are they're all as big as a house. I mean, yes. Yeah. Uh, Uber, if you're out there, Uber marketing, we would love to have you as a sponsor. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably- Uber would be a perfect sponsor credits. for this show. I really think that uh, we're going to have to reach out to Uber because, you know, we all, we all like to drink, but we all need to be home safely and not put mm-hmm. others at risk or ourselves at risk. So uh, we'll even give Uber a free plug now, but you owe us Uber. Come on, step up. Hey, you know, I recently started using Uber this year. I'll tell you what, it's a lifesaver. Literally, like that. I initially discovered it. A buddy of mine had a bachelor party. We were in downtown Detroit. I did not want to wait another hour for the bus for all the drunken assholes to come back to the bus. So I was like, I took an Uber home. I mean, it was uh, it was expensive to get home. It's still cheaper than a cab. But I'll tell you what, the, the thing with Uber is the pricing is set based on the time of day. So my ride back to my car the next day was like nothing. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna reach out to Uber this week. And Uber, if you're listening, you know we're, we'll, we'll barter for services. If, if you, know, you are a beer night, right now we're in two different Uber. locations with with a sponsorship from Uber. Maybe we could all get reunite at one location again. Oh yeah, wait yeah, a minute, right. bartering for services with Uber. I mean, what are we gonna provide them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, right. Uh, we all have sobers. We need, we need a, we need a sober driver. <laughs> uh, well, you're not going to get that from a cab driver in Detroit, now, are you? Order <laughs> system. All right, moving right along. I think it's time to move to our next beer. Oh, this is a Michigan beer, and it's local. We always want to say drink local. So hashtag drink local, everybody. We're going to taste from our local Ann Arbor Brewing. Arbor Brewing Company, Jackhammer Old Ale. So, Doug, uh, Doug you're going to cover this one. I said, Pete, I was wrong. I'll drink for yeah. as much. I slowed down a little bit in the second episode. Yeah, and <laughs> pours get a little shorter. Why? Yes. Yeah, they, uh, uh, so the Old Ales are starting to kick in. So, uh, If I can ask you guys a favor while I get started on this review, because I'm just going to go off a taste profile here. There's not much info on the bottle label. So somebody can look this one up and uh, just kind of chime in with what we got here on ABV and uh, IBUs. Uh, first thoughts on this beer. It's got a... Um, it's got great clarity to it, but it pours very dark. Not quite black. It's 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 a very dark brown in appearance. There's a nice head on it. Um, it's nice carbonation to it, but it uh, certainly fits with what the style is as far as the carbonation goes. On the smell, I'm definitely getting oak and brown sugar, which seems to be a reoccurring theme. On everything we've had tonight, even though everything's been all over the board, that's those first sips are, or that first uh, sniff is what I'm getting on it. Um, as far as the taste goes, hey, uh, dugout. Yes. ABV eight and a quarter. IBU fifty. IBU fifty. Okay. Yep. So 
that re- leads right into the taste because this doesn't have that sort of warm burst as those heavier ABV beers did. You know, the the uh, Third Coast and to some degree the old curmudgeon. So it, it comes off as a little lighter on the first sip as far as the alcohol is concerned. But I'm getting very strong notes of toffee and dark fruit. I'm getting a lot of burnt brown sugar in this. Burnt like- brown sugar and a very dry finish on this. The, the, the flavor does not linger on this at all. There must be some hop finish to this to have that. But it's definitely a pronounced burnt flavor. It's not a bad thing. Kind no, like I, and, and as far as mouthfeels goes, I think this is the thinnest of all the ones we've had, and that includes the Thakestons. I would agree. It's, it's, as far as any of the old ales we've had, this this definitely is um, on the low end of the spectrum. of. Uh, of There's no cloying in this. No. Mm-mm. I, uh, definitely burnt, definitely burnt the flavors on my tongue. You know, kind of dry at the end. Just I don't know what to say. It's 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 burnt and dry. So my overall on this one is that this doesn't strike me as a beer that's actually sort of old and aged. It may have been brewed to a specific type of style guideline, but the overall finish, in my opinion, the flavor profile is there. the The depth isn't there. No, there's there's just not a, no no complexity to this like the others. Um, and I, I'm not trying to knock the beer. It's something I can drink. But and these are all different. But it's just. Uh, it's not three-dimensional to me. In comparison, it seems not to have the complexity. I agree. There's there's two dimensions here. There's not a third deep dimension. Like I said, I get I get a lot of burnt sugar, burnt caramel, and uh, very dry finish. So the the hot presence is coming through at the end. It's much darker than the other uh, beers we've had so far. I think when I look at the look at the color. Yeah, I think it's darker than all three. Again, it's a big beer, eight and a quarter percent, with fifty IBU, old style. It's a good shot at it, but I think this one will uh, will prove to be one of the lessers on our list tonight. You guys are not filling me with confidence in taking a sip of this. Go for it, Chris. Oh, Let us it, know Chris. what you think. We gotta know. There's no right no or wrong, rights. man. You might like this. Like the crap out of this one. We like it. Uh, maybe, maybe I built it up too much in my head. No, no, that's it's all right. I think I just gave a one-word review of all of your reviews. It's all right. <laughs> okay. You get a little, you get a little sweet, uh, at least in my mouth at this point in time after two craft beer podcasts. A little sweet finish on this, but other than that, it's it's not setting me on fire. I'm not. I don't love it. I don't hate it. I would finish the bottle, depending on how many beers in I was in. I might order another one. I might not. We might switch to another beer. But yeah, this beer is you okay. Know, I, what I think about this beer, I think I think to give it a fair shake, we need to probably age it for another year or two. I think I probably bought a bottle off the shelf that just hit the shelf. It's an old ale. It needs age because it's just not complex right now. And we know that, it, I mean, in, in all fairness, the third coast we had sat in my basement for a year. But my that thought be- on this particular one is that I probably would not want to age this beer. I just don't think the depth is there in the body of it that would lend to it improving with age, such as like the uh, third coast that I'm sure was a booze bomb when you first got it, and then you sat on it for an, uh, for for a year, sat on it for two years. It's great. This beer, I'm not even sure would would hold up over a cellar. Well, Doug, have to be kind. I was just going to say that it can go nowhere but up. <laughs> so maybe some age will be kind to it. I think <laughs> I, I, my opinion would be drink them now and just buy it, drink move it. on. There's other reviews about it. <laughs> All right. Well, probably a less than stellar review for that one, but we tried it. But look at the company it's in. You know? Yeah. 
I hear you. I hear you. Yep. It's a tough crowd. That it is. Well, we're about to move on across the pond. We're going from Ann Arbor to uh, the British Islands. So without further ado, this might be, we don't know what, what it's going to be until we taste it. But this is going to be something special. Well, that just falls out of the bottle. The bottle this itself is, is gorgeous. I don't know if I'm going to embellish the pronunciation of this brewery, but it's one of my favorites because they make a lot of beers that I like, not just this one. But it's Harvestoon Oladou, Ale Matured in Whiskey Cats. Yeah, we got a couple oh, dubs yeah. over here. Oladoubs. Aged and selected oak casks, formerly used to mature Highland Park smoky, sweet, perfectly balanced 18-year-old single malt scotch whiskey. Special 18 reserve, 11.2 ounces. Bottle number and date, bottle number 27649, bottled September 2014, so we've got over a year on this. Brewed and bottled by Harveystone Brewery, Alva, Scotland. And if you want to learn more about it, www.harveystone.com. If you can spell that, you're more sober than me. It's H-A-R-V-I-E-S-T-O-U-N.com. M-O-U-S-E. <laughs> so, wow. Can I read the label? The little, the little thing tied around the bottle? Yeah, please do. Oh, yeah, it's got one of those. It's fancy. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's <laughs> please, got the mark please. of fancy. It's got a, it's extra labeling. Oladoo Bale, Oladoob or Black Oil, is so named because it's because it is gloopy and viscous. The limited release has been matured in casks from Orkney's award-winning Highland Park Distillery to add complimentary whiskey notes to what is already an amazing brew. It is chocolatey with a roasty, bittersweet aftertaste. And yeah, for more information, visit harvesttune.com. Yeah, I think this is the first ever written uh, encounter of the word gloopy for me. It's probably usually only Can you play us hang on gloopy? <laughs> and it's and it's basically uh, translated into uh, Celtic is motor oil. No, but uh, but the what? But I'm learning. This is I'll probably love the shit out of this beer. I, I went poor Uncle Pete. Somebody put both of his tasting glasses up, and they're both full. Of- <laughs> I mean, I'm having a hard time. Put up, guys. I'll be honest. This stuff's heavy. Well, you well, need to pour this one out. This is unbelievable. Yeah, I've got a feeling that there's. You know, sit in the studio and there's all these bottles around. And once in a while, you'll finish a bottle if it's like wow, off the charts. I got, I got a feeling that this bottle's not even going to survive through Chris, I don't all know of our you, tasting. I don't know if you tasted this yet, and you're used to some bourbon. This is Scotch, man. This is like got some smoky peat. So oh, I don't know it. if you're going to dig this, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe uh, have you ever? Are you a Scotch whiskey guy? Have you ever had Scotch whiskey? I'm not so much of a Scotch guy as I'm a bourbon guy. I understand. That's why I was kind of as soon as I tasted it, I'm like, God, I wonder if Chris is going to be able to hang with this. And it's okay if you're not, because I can understand. I used to sell Scotch whiskey in a previous life. Is this too peaty for you? Well, you know, I'm 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 still the Scotch work- whiskey is all over. This. I'm still working on my Ann Arbor. You gotta wait. I think we need uh, I think we need Pete's take on this, and then uh, yeah. Chris has to get through the rest of the jackhammer from Ann Arbor. I think Pete's still working on. Hey that. guys, I'm trying to catch up. Okay. I'm still <laughs> on last two here. You know what? Two. <laughs> do what I do. Bring I, two glasses. I did bring two glasses. I am the only one that is drinking this. Everybody else is finishing other stuff, and that's understandable. Hey, I'm you, gonna go ahead hey. and review it. All right. Time to review Harvest Soon Oladoub Special Reserve 18. The appearance is dark brown to almost black. So yeah. really, I can't see through it. Nope. I hold it up to the light. I can't see through it. So it's not opaque at all. It's coal black. I'm uh, smelling it. I'm smelling some smoky peat, a little bit of toffee. It starts out with uh, those uh, legendary dark fruits, a little bit of oaky vanilla and toffee. 
but then the whiskey takes over. I mean, it's Scotch whiskey. You can taste the peat. It's slightly smoky, maybe moderately smoky, but you can taste the peat. And anybody that is a connoisseur of Scotch whiskeys will will know what this is. I mean, there's Scotch whiskey in this, and it's in the barrel, and it's uh, well balanced and smooth. Carbonation's low. It's a medium bodied. Overall, man. There's a lot going on. Yeah. These are all complex to style. I am, I am a Scotch whiskey drinker. I sold spirits for many years and I got to try a lot of good ones. And this is uh this is good. This is really good, but you gotta like Scott. You gotta like Pete. You gotta like Shut up. You gotta like Uncle Pete. Smoky Pete. We all love Uncle it's not Pete. Really smoky, though. It's, it's it's a little bit smoky, but it's Wow, I, I'm loving it. So, uh, but I would think I would venture to think somebody like Chris might not be so fond of it because you, if you don't have a palate for scotch, the, the smoky peat, the scotch that parts into this, you may not be a fan. But let me ask you directly, Chris, what do you think? Well, I've not tasted it yet, but I have a glass of it. It it it. it I'm, it has one of the markers of what I like in beer. Is it just falls into the glass? So we will see. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to taste it right, right now. Well, you know what? We'll skip you and uh, we'll give you a little time. Uh, Uncle Pete, you can go next. Sure. I'll just add. I'm not going to repeat everything, but it's it's definitely darker. It's very earthy. Uh, I don't know. I'm getting something like tobacco flavor in there. If I yeah. was to chew on a tobacco leaf. Leather. A little leathery. This is a very rich, uh, dark beer. It has those kind of qualities with the tobacco and the leather to me. It's very earthy. Chris, good tune there, by the way. Yeah, no, right? It's the new classic rock. Uh, dugout. Well, we already see the appearance. This is dark as coal. It's uh, like motor oil. Um, off off the nose, I'm getting uh, sort of earthy, peaty, almost like you're in a forest. As far as taste goes, right up front, you get that warmth. And it's not—it's not the mild warmth we had with the with the third coast. I mean, that warmth hits you pretty quick. But it goes right into chocolate, espresso, and then, as Pete said, the tobacco is very complex, and then leads you into sort of a peat smoke, uh, earthy finish. I mean, yeah, there's there's a ton going around, uh, going on with this beer. I think what it really needs is a cigar. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> I couldn't agree more, man. I wish I had one. Well, I do have one, but I'm in the house and smoke it. When this night's over, I might just take this out on the deck and live a little. Well, but, JR, uh, I'm happy to report that this yeah. is a delicious beer. I, I agree. I like uh, everything that is. I like everything about this beer: the smell, the taste, how it feels in the mouth, that first, taste. I'm impressed and surprised because I thought that maybe the smoky peat would drive you away, but you know what? Glad that you're enjoying it. That that peat though is not overpowering it's no it's, it's very complimentary to what's going on with this beer I agree in, in my opinion i mean you have that big burst of dark chocolate sweet warmth of alcohol and then it just really kind of gets sort of tough and leathery and then finishes off with that kind of burn of actually drinking a nice scotch gentlemen this is a beer you can chew <laughs> yes it really is and uh it's a home run but uh uncle pete found something out that i didn't know from the website right it was saying that uh this is what happens when you take a uh what they call it the engine oil the black ale that harvey uh, stone makes, makes an en- old engine oil stout I right, think it is. and i i didn't know this is the base beer right so they, they age this at the barrels 
and uh, this is what you get. So, would you would you guys say this is pretty much a craft? Well, definitely, it's a craft Scottish beer. But is this a whale? I'd call it a whale myself. I mean, is oh, it's is, different. It's, it's not an American ale, right? So it's. I think the reason he wouldn't call it a whale, and it's kind of a shame that I would say this, but it's because it's not as hard to get. It's available. No, it's widely available. Yeah, yeah. that's you that's know, what I'm thinking. But, but you know, has... it's ten ninety nine for eleven point two ounce bottle, so it's not like it's. But it has those complexities and characteristics of what a lot of people would consider a whale. I would say it's a whale for people who like scotch whiskey, because I think that's a big component of what it's about. So, um, yeah, I mean, man, we've we've covered the spectrum tonight. I'll say. I mean, every one is, like, way different than the other. There hasn't been two beers that have been, like, similar. And I'll bet you if we had, and I do have a couple more here that I failed to give to the other guys, um, but I think we have other things that we can we can go with tonight. So I'm going to bypass that and move to the next section of our show, which uh, I, I'm really excited about because uh, Dugout shared his homebrew with me last night. Oh, you, you finally had this? Isn't this oh, delicious? You had it? Doug's, Dugout's homebrew? Chris, Christopher has been privy to this. For a couple weeks. This this is delicious. Pardon me for swearing. This is delicious shit right what is, here. This is what are you this, having? The Northern Lights. Oh, the Polar no, Nights. Polar Nights. Oh, Polar, Polar Nights. Nights. Polar yeah, Nights. Nights. My bad. Okay. No wait. Northern Chris. Lights is something else. Wrong podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you meant the podcast instead of the podcast. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, I guess we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but let's just move in. We're done with the old ale part of the show. We're going to go back to it when we do our brewery of the week and beer of the week. But we have we we really are excited about Dugout's latest homebrew, especially me because I love anything with hot pepper. So Dugout. Um, was kind enough to give me a bottle of this that I previewed last night, and I'm thankful to have some more tonight because it's a treat. Dugout, uh, introduce your latest homebrew to us. What we're going to try is uh, called Polar Nights. The name comes from a Scorpion song, and it is the 50th anniversary of the Scorpions, if I'm not mistaken, right? R- really? And I that's, learned to play the bass to the Scorpions. I think that's their thing is 50 Rocky years, like right? a hurricane. They've been around since the 60s? I believe Holy so. Sh- I don't. I bet those damn. guys. I didn't know that. I mean, all my I I have all the like loads of Scorpions records. So, anyways, the spear is called Polar Nights. It is a imperial smoked porter. I had a bunch of pepper plants growing in the yard this year. One of them was called a Trinidad Scorpion, way high in the Scoville pepper scale. So I added three of those to a five gallon batch, and uh, what we came up with was uh, woo. Did I hear a woo? Woo. Um, Chris, you got any, like, fireman, fire, fire engine down? I should have the, the song by the Scorpions. This is Polar, Polar Nights. Nights. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I love this. Man, the aroma. Yeah, this definitely awesome. sounds like the Scorpions before America knew who they were. That's right. Yeah, there's wicked guitar solos coming up here. They get some of that old, like, Rush production going on them. Sounds like it. Pepper forward on the aroma, definitely. <laughs> Clearing up my sinuses as we speak. So this beer comes in about nine, nine 9.5%, I believe. Wow. Black is coal. Imperial is F. Pepper on the nose. Well, I remember 
the smoke on the front, pepper in the back. Yeah, you know what? I, like I, I smell the smoke and I taste the smoke, and then all of a sudden the fire begins. Yes. There's Trinidad scorpion peppers. Wow. Are a real deal. Ooh. It packs the heat, man. And uh, anybody that knows me knows that I'm a, I'm a bring on the heat guy. Stone makes crime and, crime and punishment. A lot of people, it's way too strong for them. It melts your face off. And I'm like, bring it on. This is a level below that. It doesn't melt your face off, but it's. It's kind of I mean, nothing derogatory with this statement. This stuff gave me heartburn that woke me up just out of a sound sleep. <laughs> well, it may not be for everybody, but it's for me. But I, lo- I love heat. You'll need I'm to do a Tom's you. Chaser on this one then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, signature beer is Robert de Habanero, which has Habanero at the end, but I think it's more of a subtle bite. This is like a kick. You yeah. Know, I went for the subtlety with Robert de Habanero, and I'm not complaining at all about this beer right here. It's fantastic. It's, it's fresh. The pepper comes through. Very bold. It's very interesting. I like it. My favorite part is the smoke right at the front. My my take on this is I am I'm not a fan of smoked beers at all. Most smoked beers turn me off, but I love having the smoke before the fire here. Yep. Because I love the fire. I just usually don't like the smoke. Yeah. But I think what I'm learning is I don't like the smoke by itself, but it's almost like the smoke is the, the prelude to the fire, and it's like it's almost like a story. You know? Yeah, it's where like, there's smoke, there's fire. In yeah. the end, the smoke complements the fire. I love this, man. Yeah, oh, it is. Well, this this and is the, great. And the the fire isn't for everybody, but the people that for the fire <laughs> is for, this is the gift that keeps giving because you <laughs> think you've reached a plateau of the heat, and then if you take start to take a little multiple sips, <laughs> and then you that swallow heat it. builds and builds, and then you have to just kind of sit back and think, oh, i got to cool off a little bit. Oh, I don't have to cool off. Great beer. Keep the heat out. Great job. You know, I, you. I've got to credit dugout because it takes a, a lot of balls to, you know, branch out and go for something like this. I mean, a lot of people don't like smoked pepper beers. And he's like, you know what? I'm a brewer. I'm going to brew what I want. And I don't care who likes it. Who doesn't, it's going to do it. And you know what? There's some people here who really like it. And the funny thing is... The interesting thing, I remember we talked about this back when you were right after you brewed it, Doug, and uh, we talked about the Scoville scale and where the Trinidad scorpion pepper sits on there, and it was up in the, you know, two or two and a half million Scoville units, the world's hottest pepper, you know, the Carolina Reaper, and the, but you, you took... I think you took some effort to restrain the heat by just poking holes in these peppers and not really slicing them open and uh, letting them letting them run in the boil. And even with that, it, it comes through, you know, very very prominently and very nicely. Well, thanks. Yeah, um, that that method of just poking the peppers was also a, a protective method because if you get this type of pepper juice or pepper oil on your fingers it it'll cause yeah. burns on your skin and i'm not you don't want to take leak after that <laughs> <laughs> really great job from one home brewer to another appreciate, Amen, appreciate uh you know stretching the boundaries and trying new things and you know the smoke mix with the with the fire is fantastic good job thank you i would agree i'm envious great job and thank you for giving me some because uh Unfortunately, the bottle you gave me is long gone from last night. <laughs> um, Uncle Pete, you got a bottle. I made it. I'm going to enjoy that. I want to share it with uh, Junior and see how he yeah. likes it. He likes the hot stuff, too. That's a, that's a great brew, Doug. Uh, 
As long as we're talking about homebrew, Uncle Pete, you've got a lot of things going on right now, right? Well, yep. Tomorrow I'm going to be bottling, finally, the Robert de Habanero variants. I got the uh, vanilla chocolate habanero stout. Old Christmas time beer. Yeah, it's going to be ready for Christmas. If I put it in the bottle tomorrow, we'll be drinking it for the holidays and New Year's. But uh, I got a couple of variants. If I didn't mention it before, I do have a cinnamon stick uh, that was aged in, uh, what's that, Captain Morgan rum. Oh, nice. Which I... you know, put on the uh, put on the shredder, diced it up real nice, and stuck it in there with the beer. I also have a toasted coconut version, and I have a chocolate and toasted coconut version. Oh, Mounds Bar? And, yeah, kind of. A, you know, if you didn't know Uncle Pete, it's Uncle Pete. And my middle name is Paul, so I'm a real Peter Paul. You know, I'm really fond of the Peter Paul candy bars. So we are doing we are doing a uh, a Mounds version. So no, it's going to be great. I got ten gallons. Divvied up into five two-gallon batches, each with a different flavor in it, and I can't wait to put it in a bottle and share. Awesome, man. Well, moving on to my homebrew update. Unfortunately, I don't have as much going on as these guys. I have a, uh, a batch of Blood Orange IPA I'm about to keg. Uh, I'm going to be brewing uh, two batches on Tuesday that will hopefully be ready for the Christmas holiday, and I'm going to do my old uh, four aces with a kicker, which I co-brewed with a dug- dugout last year. It'll be a... Uh, breakfast stout with oatmeal and uh, two types of coffee and uh, buffalo trace soaked vanilla beans and coffee. So uh, that was a winner last year. Everybody loved it. I want to brew another batch. Um, And uh, I'm going to do a Todd the Axeman clone, which is an English IPA. So that'll be my next two beers. But uh, you guys are trumping me big time. I've been kind of slacking, but we're going to pick up the pace this week. So, uh, time to go for our will of the week. Um, Let's see, no, uh, no homebrews here, but I got some homegrown. Yeah. <laughs> gentlemen are interested. If you guys want to hang around for the next <laughs> podcast, <laughs> as I said, uh, it could be interesting. Get, uh, Uber as a sponsor, we would love to join you in the studio <laughs> to partake in the full experience. So well, we do have homebrewers competitions. Is there such a thing as a home growers oh, competition? Uh, absolutely, all kinds of the Great America Home Growers Festival. Where can we go to buy tickets for that? Oh, it, there was actually something a couple uh, weeks ago in the the first weekend of November. There was a a, a medical marijuana convention in uh, Michigan. Huh. I was going to go check it out, but life got in the way. But yeah, but no, no. There's all kinds of. I mean, there's even uh, because we have medical marijuana in Michigan. There's even a uh, High Times has a competition here, and, and they have it in Flint. It's happened uh, probably. Well, it's happened every year since like 2009. So going on five years chris this might be a great opportunity to plug your other podcasts the weasman podcast tuesdays and fridays here on christophermedia.net and you know what uh chris one one thing that does blend over into what we do is uh the state of colorado is uh an open state for the cannabis plant and uh there are some cannabis beers hey i really I have to mention cannabis that was... infused ales. Do you say yes? Uh, you got to be in Colorado where it's legal, but uh, you know that could be a or, or, uh, or collaboration or not get caught. Yeah, if we ever get to go to Colorado. Well, I got to mention I was in Toronto uh, and I have been for the past few months uh, with my main source of employment, and uh, I hit up the LCBO store up there, and guess what they had? They had a beer called Millennium Buzz Hemp Beer, brewed with the finest. British Columbian hemp, 
and uh, German hops and Alberta hop, uh, malt. And I did bring back a few cans. And in fact, I'm hoping that we can put together a, an episode of Beer Nuts where we can give some give some cred and, and some props to our northern neighbors in Ontario and, and do a little Canadian craft beer show. What? Canada's good at beer? You don't say. <laughs> yeah, and we're going to do that soon. And uh, we were always, we were already talking about uh, in our last episode about that Doug, and I, Doug out and I used to work for Newcastle. Well, uh, one of our former colleagues also reps a portfolio of Canadian craft beers here in the States. We hope to have him on as a guest to feature some of his beers in a future show as well. So uh, what do you say, eh, to the Canadians? We're, all right, eh? We're going to have a couple Canadian uh, shows. That's great, coming. eh? So yeah, yeah. On the that's what here. it's all about. You know, we're, we're broadcasting. Uh, I know uh, uh, Chris is right on the border, but both of our locations are right on the Canadian border. So. Well, I was going to say, like, really? person who's on an island between Michigan and Canada? Yeah, I am <laughs> yeah. literally you can throw a rock, John. <laughs> turn off roaming on my phone because I'm so close to Canada, but mm-hmm. you know, our uh, Canadian friends are, are uh, also great at brewing beer. Yeah, you Check don't say. Out. It's time to wrap it up and select our Brewery of the Week. So out of everything we've tasted this evening, can you give us your pick for Brewery of the Week? Sure thing. Um, I'm going to go with Bell's. Uh, I know we had a third coast Old Ale. And uh, the many times that I've been to Bell's Brewery and uh, <clears throat> over there in Kalamazoo, Michigan, at the Eccentric Cafe, the selections are phenomenal. I mean, you get so many great beers and styles. Uh, I want to give some props to Bell's Brewery in Kalamazoo, Michigan, for providing us with some fantastic beers. Uh, might give a hint to my beer of the week, but I'm going to go with Bell's. Okay, dugout. All right, I'm thinking for the brewery of the week. Um, I'm going with Harvey's Town. Um, I've had other beers from them before. I've never had this Ola Dub, and this is this is fantastic. I've had beers from them aged in sherry barrels and other other kinds of Scotch whiskey barrels. Um, I just think what they're doing is just cutting edge. It's blending spirits and beer together in a great way. So that's my brewery of the week. Hey, Harvest Town, it's uh, Doug's vote. How about uh, Chris? Well, whenever I make this decision, whether it's the brewery or the beer of the week, I go with what was the most compelling beer? What did I want to keep drinking? So I'm going with Bell's. Okay, fair enough. Um... As the guy that usually has the tiebreaker, uh, if I picked Harvey's Town, it would be a tie, and I don't have a tiebreaker, but I have to pick him. I really wanted to pick Fakeston's, but I'm going to pick Harvey's Town because I think it was just a little more sophisticated than that, and I've had other beers of theirs, whereas Fakeston's Old Peculiar is the only beer I've had from them. So... He's We're going to have a, a, an all-out real tie between the Harvest Town Brewery and Bell's. So without the ability to break the tie, I think we just have co-champions, co-breweries of the week. All right. Co-breweries of the week. That works. Why don't, so you, that's have okay. of, uh, why don't you have some of the listeners? Because, uh, as we say, there's no right or wrong in our show. Oh, there's a new feature on Twitter that time. started this week. We could do a poll. We could. We could do, yeah. We could you Let's could you that. could you could pit the Bells Harvest Town against uh, Bells. Or we could do sudden death, first person that tweets us one way first or the other breaks tweets. the tie. Fair enough. Well, well you I, know, it's, it's easy to stack the deck that way. 
all tweets through the next 24 hours after air date. Yes. Fair enough? So this That's will be up on Saturday. The the... We're also going to give that winning voter, we're going to give them a win this glass. Oh. It's glass. The glass. The coveted glass. So please vote. You're going to get a free glass out of it, and you're going to break our tie. So, so I mean... Three of the week is the Harvestown Brewery and Bell's Brewery. So if you want to help us break that tie... Please uh, tweet out to Beer Nuts Podcast at Beer Nuts Podcast, or in a pinch, you could do at Michigan Beer Guy, and there we go. So my question is, do we even bother with Beer of the Week? Because it seems our Brewery of the Week forecast our Beers of the Week. Not necessarily. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Sorry. Chris, you can start out with your Beer of the Week. Uh, Third Coast Ale. Okay. My choice is Faison's Old Peculiar. Oh, JR. Always upsetting the apple cart. Yep, Uncle Pete. I got to go with Third Coast. I'm with Chris. Dugout. Oh, man. <laughs> really? Yeah, really. It's it's Thixens. We got two ties. That beer is in my heart, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got to say, you know, they're all great. We had some great selections tonight. It's a real, I said, didn't I say early on, this is going to be tough to pick. It really is. It was, and I thought a lot of the styles were like a lot of different places. There's so much unique about each specific beer that we tasted. Nothing was like anything else. The old ale category is all over the place, and I love it. It's a, it's a, it's a world I like to live in. So um, we're uh, we're not going to wrap it up quite yet. We just have a few current events that we want to mention before we go off the air. Uh, beer news. We got some beer news for you. That's pretty important to the overall scale of craft beer and beer in general. So uh, do you have some music for us, uh, Chris? I, I feel like I should. Well, you know, while you're this is in the copy that, up, that I'm not reading. Wooly bully, baby. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, that's easy enough. You know why we want requests to hear Wooly Bully? Because there's a bully out there. And we're not ganging up on Anheuser-Busch and Viv because, you know, I might one day want to work for them. So I'm not trying to put them in a bad light. But you know what? They're kind of bullying the beer world right now. No, no disrespect. They're entitled to grow their empire. But they are buying SAV Miller, the second biggest brewers in the world. And Anheuser-Busch InBev is the number one. So we're getting a brewing behemoth that the world has never seen. Yeah, we're getting one beer company. How is that, that fair? To dominate to anybody. Now, the good news for us in the United States is that the Miller brand, first of all, is moving out of the entire SAV Miller Miller brand will be owned by Molson Coors globally, worldwide. That means Miller Miller Lite will not be with Budweiser yeah, and Bud But the money's all going to the same place. Okay, nope, 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 nope. That's not true. Uh-huh. The Miller brand is completely moving to Molson Coors, which will be the second biggest game at least here in the state. And all SAP Miller brands that they represent in the United States will be retained by Molson Coors in the United States. So, in the United States, we're covered because they're too big to be big. But globally, it's kind of disturbing because this brewing fire is going to be bigger than it can be. And it's not a good thing. When you get a beer company this big, they can buy stuff off ops, off all. They have the, so much clout, they can choke industry and buy ingredients with their brewing power. They can buy up all the space. Yeah, they better have all the space. In the United States, we're kind of protected because all those brands aren't going to go to Miller. But it's more worldwide. It's still disturbing to get see that. There's so, so much about. And one thing that I see with big brewers is they, they make 
blood of American ales, blood brown. You know, you can see his blood light brown ale. I mean, what they do is they brew so much craft that they get space before the store that it chokes out brands that are deserving of that space. And that's what brings me the most about this. Because they will out the ridiculous line extensions like you've never seen. Bud dry, light brown, long neck, returnable or non-returnable, you know, embossed bottle. I mean, where does it end? They're going to have so many SKUs that will take up the entire cold box. And there's no room for good beers with low craftiness. So that's my take on it. Uh, Uncle Pete, what do you think? Well, you know, there's a lot of, I'm sure there's concerns floating around out there about the big boys taking over and being able to buy up everything, right? People talk about these looming consolidations, but to me, it's not happening yet. I would say all you david size brewers out there, get get your slingshots ready and put a big old stone in there and get ready to hit the Goliath, man, because beer nuts like us, we're not giving up on you. We're going to keep it rolling. We're going to be on the underground as long as it takes to keep this thing alive and, uh, you know, I'm not too worried about it. I think I think we're going to have all the beer selection we want for a long time to come. I'd say I have to agree with you, Pete. I mean, it's it's it only gets better for everybody. I sometimes wonder if maybe this is um, sort of survival mode for these big behemoths. Like the only way they can stay together right now is to com- come together as one. I don't think that you know, as far as us in the in the U.S for example, are going to be affected a lot by it because there are antitrust measures in place so that it doesn't become that. But also, it's supply, demand, sales for a retailer. Hey, if I'm going in there and I'm buying three or four or five or six or eight, six packs a week of a beer that costs $14, do you think the guy wants my business? I would. You know, craft beer is not going away. Sales are off the charts, and uh, these guys can do whatever they want. They're not going to kill it. Well, uh, the only thing I can relate to this situation is I'm a former musician. I don't know if you've ever tried to get a song on the radio. It, it seems like the the music industry is uh, is already where the I I dangerously see the beer industry heading with what you say is going on because. I'm sure you gentlemen all know. Um, remember how there used to be many record companies? Yeah, now there's like, you can count on one hand how many there are. It's like airlines. As little as when I started traveling for work three years ago, there were like over five airlines. Now there's like four. I just think uh, I think the industry is, is treading on, on dangerous ground here. You know, granted, while they're 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 splitting it up for all their fancy ways of accounting, making it look you know, legal on paper. I don't know. I'm not a bit. I, I I'm a big fan of deregulation, of letting the market sort it out. And it just to me, all I see right now is one one beer company, and in no matter the, no matter the industry, I just think that's that's dangerous ground to be treading on. Fast. I agree, Chris. Uh, there's co- just a couple final points. Number one, quality will always trump. And ABI has taken iconic brands like Bass and Bex and bastardized them and brewed them locally with inferior ingredients and made them lesser beers than they were, along with Rolly Rock. I, I hate to, to talk negatively about any company. I mean, you're always in it to make money and make a profit. And the, that being said, I mean, uh, brewing something locally can yield a fresher product and, and have advantages. 
it's not terrible that they brew Beck's beer in St. Louis. It's terrible that they brew it with inferior ingredients and make an inferior product. They took a great brand and, and made it less. And yeah, you'd have no problem if it was done in St. Louis, just if it was done in St. Louis in Saint the Louis correct they, way. They used the exact ingredients. Yes. And they, they copied the water profile and did everything right. I would have no problem. But they're cutting corners, in my opinion. I, I'm not privy to what they're doing. So I, 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 I don't want to make any false accusations, but I can tell you that the sales are off for a reason. I mean, it's a, it, there was a lawsuit. That there was, uh, there's a class action lawsuit that Beck's beer sold beer uh, under false auspices that the buyer thought they were buying a German imported beer. And that class action suit has been settled and people are getting money. They're getting checks for buying that beer because it was misrepresented. I mean, that's what these guys do. They take brands and they take labels and they... Like I said, I have no problem with something being brewed fresher as long as you're using the same ingredients and under license and doing it the way they do it. But they're not doing that. They're cutting corners. They're maximizing profits. That's what ABI is about, and that's my problem with it. So uh, that being said, ABI does own Goose Island. Goose Island takes Bourbon County, which is a, a tremendous beer. As long as Bourbon County is, uh, is, a, is a tremendous, great beer, and they're not overseeing that to the point where they're compromising the quality, I'll buy it because it's that good. So there you got it. I mean, some people will never buy anything to silent just because of it. I am of the, the mindset that if the product is there, I buy it. I don't care who owns it. I care about the quality of the product that's in the bottle. I would never buy a uh, St. Louis brewed Bex because I know it's inferior, but I would buy a Bruton County because so far they have not compromised the quality of that brand. So that's that's my take on it. Anybody else? Final thoughts. All right. There you have it. All right. We're going to wrap it up, guys. And and, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, everybody, who's downloaded, who has shared, who has told a friend, who has retweeted, who has favorited, who has... I'm trying to remember all the internet verbiage. But thank you to everybody at Beer Nuts Podcast on Twitter. You can follow us. Like we we said earlier in the show, hey, show show us what you're drinking. uh, Maybe give your critique and perhaps a glass will find itself your way. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. But you know what? Go to michiganbeergeguy.com, click on this mess, and all you got to do is tweet what I'm about to say. Our three-letter acronym that we end every show with, and it says, they say, an old Mexico City. AMF. If you enjoy this show and want more people to know about it, head on over to iTunes, leave a comment, and rate it five stars. Make sure you like and share us on Facebook, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Just search for Christopher Media. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Most importantly, we would like to take the time to extend an extra special thanks to you. Christopher Media could not exist without your support. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net, and thank you for listening christopher media let's make some noise thank you for visiting christophermedia.net